Welcome to the Real Self University podcast. I'm Eva Shea, Director of Practice Development at Real Self. The mission of this podcast is to uncover stories and data from our industry's most interesting and successful personalities, both doctors and the people who contribute to their success behind the scenes. On this episode, I'm talking with two Real Self verified plastic surgeons, Drs. Garav Baharti and Bill Cortesis, who practice together in Charlotte, North Carolina. These two doctors are involved in what we in the Seattle tech industry sometimes call growth experiments, but they don't call it that. It's just their way of life. I caught up with them at the ASPS plastic surgery meeting in late September in San Diego, and I uncovered just what makes these two entrepreneurs tick, how they think about marketing, and the unusual things that have happened to them since they started doing their own social media. You'll hear Dr. Baharti speak first as he answers my first question. So we're going to talk about Instagram today, and I spent a bunch of time looking in both of your accounts, and I noticed a couple things. One is that you each have about 30,000 followers, and that's an enviable number for a lot of your colleagues. So I'm interested to hear how you got there and kind of what you figured out to get to those kinds of numbers, because it's actually pretty unusual in the global scheme of things. We both have been doing social media in our practice kind of since we started, but then really started to ramp up once it started gaining more traction, probably about one to two years ago. And we've seen an uptick in our followers, but you know, social media and Instagram is kind of half real, half far from reality. What I mean to say is, you know, some of our followers, as we've grown, you know, people start taking notice or try to latch on and do things like influencers try to get in to see us to try to get promotional stuff. So we've been hit with bot services. We've been hit with all kinds of stuff. So at any given point in time, when you look at ours, you look at other people's followers, you know, you got to figure out how much of that's legit and how much isn't. And so even on ours, there's some of it that's kind of artificial followers that we haven't been able to shed because some bot services have been purchased for us or put onto us. And it's, it's kind of wild, wild west with Instagram. So for us, I think, you know, having a strong number of followers is important, but we've definitely learned that it's quality over quantity real engagement, real interaction with your potential client. And so it's been good. It's still a huge deal for our practice. Yeah. What I found pretty amazing is the fact that patients will come in and specifically want you to post all their pictures on Instagram. They're like, why didn't you post mine? I had a great result. Please post my stuff. Now is getting to this point where they want to be a part of the process, especially as you get a little bit more and more involved and you have more and more followers, the more they want to be a part of it. And and I think the other thing is, I think patients are not suckers for like copycat social media. It's like so much social media, they, they try to emulate somebody else. When the truth, it should be an extension of what you kind of are like, what's your practice like, how you treat your patients and what your day-to-day is. And so we've tried to do that. We've tried to make our Instagram obviously content driven with regards to what we do for our patients, but also kind of what we're like in our practice and a little sliver of what we're like personally without being too deep because there's some things that I personally think are kind of off limits that we try to keep away from Instagram. But I'll tell you what, the followers really like your personal stuff. That's where you get the most engagement. One of you does not post anything about your family and the other one does. Neither of us for kids, period. I mean, that's a big thing. I want to keep them a little private in regards to this. I've started doing a little bit more with my wife. But again, I try to keep that a little personal. But I want them to get to know who I am and what I like to do outside the office and things that we're about. But yeah. Have there been any really outrageous requests from these influencer types that you can remember? 
you know, sometimes I would say the most outrageous thing is when some of the influencers are basically seeking to get a free service or something done and they're going to agree to discuss their experience or kind of promote you or your practice. And so we've been burned multiple times with that, where you would render a treatment or service and then nothing's done or they kind of disappear. So I think it's one of those things where you have to be very, you really have to screen things and treat them like a real patient, first of all. That's an important thing for us. When, when an influencer would want something, we have to have them come in, evaluate them, do all the informed consent, do all this stuff like you would do with any other patient because things can happen and you know that doesn't replace the safety concern and obviously getting a good result. And then we're just a little bit more direct about it. And it's, it's a funny thing because we didn't have to do this in the past and it was more just kind of marketing that was done with traditional methods, but also your patient referrals. So using this though, using good influencers and using social media, that's your new kind of word of mouth or word of social marketing. And so we've learned some lessons. Bill, what other stuff has happened? We've, we've been burned together, you know? Yeah, one of the things I find interesting is like you have patients will come in and they'll pay for a specific service, you know, facelift, breast dog. They kind of know the price and they're going to go in, they're going to pay for the service, they get the service and they move on. Now, a lot of times these influencers want free services for X posts. And how does that really translate? And are you really getting your bang for your buck with that? Oh, wait, they're trying to get on your Instagram because you have followers. That's what they're trying to do? Or vice versa, or using the influencers wanting us to do free services to promote us. It's kind of backwards because they're actually treating you like the influencers instead of using their own audience to try to... Does it happen both ways? It does happen both ways. It does. It's interesting. You know, it, I think the key is you got to adapt and be ahead of the curve. But most importantly, I think you have to engage with your patients and prospective clients because that's what where we're at now. And people like that idea, that instantaneity of engagement, but also a sort of almost anonymity when they're engaging too, right? Because you have your, your shield. And so I think social media facilitates that because they'll come and see us and they'll be like, I feel like I already know you. The first thing they do after they hear about you is go to your Instagram page, just look at your before and afters and who you are before they come into the office. Do you think that's limited to a certain age group? Because I would probably not, as a mid-40-something, do that. Yeah, it's definitely age-related. It is, but it's starting to invade the other age populations. And obviously Facebook is, you know, a different segment of the population that it's invading into. But even older people, more quote conservative people are, are using Instagram as well. To find you or to just confirm that you're legit? I think it's way. more confirmation. A little bit of both. Then the next step is then the hook or the bait, sorry. The bait is kind of social media or whatever their resources. And then the hook is then your website, realself.com, all these other things where then they start digging deeper. And then they come in to see you. So I think that's typically the sequence of events that we typically see. In marketing, that's called multi-touch attribution. And most doctors don't believe me when I say they go to multiple sites. Always. They do. They Always. check everything. They yeah. turn over all the rocks. And actually, they, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, too. They find you. They look at certain things while they're looking. They meet you. They look at the same things in a different way during that experience and then they look at it again afterward a completely different way. So there's like these three phases of how they interact with you online and everyone I think sort of oversimplifies it and thinks it's just for finding you and then the, the journey is over but it actually continues forever. Yeah, yeah. And, and they look for different things and they do want consistency. So you have to 
ensure that your online uh, ecosystem that represents you is well represented and uniform or you're not ignoring. Isn't it interesting that you see all these, you know, different plastic surgeons trying to get into the space and doing more social media marketing? And they're not doing a very great job, right? There's some key elements that they're not really showcasing much. They're just doing a small video, but there's nothing to it. Right. And it's just discouraging at times, right? Because it, it doesn't really show who they are whatsoever. The barrier to entry is so easy, but the actual execution is so hard. It so is. Do you have help with your Instagram or are you doing everything yourself? We, we essentially capture all of our content ourselves. And then we'll have one of our assistants help curate it, you know, just so that it's timed and appropriately sent out. We try to make it fairly real time, like anything that's actually happening that goes out. And then for actual raw before after type stuff, that'll be more like scheduled so that there's some stability in it and that our feed doesn't look haphazard or disorganized. But it's all our thoughts. It's all our thoughts. And what we do, we drive it all. But that's the key. That is the absolute key. And, And even if you look at his and mine, it's different. And it is distinctly different. And that's the whole point. I think that, you know, when there was this huge Snapchat was dominating, it still is being used, but that's more that sensational plastic surgery, live, aggressive surgery, big, crazy things. And like, I don't want to do that. I have no interest in doing that. I have no interest in showcasing any of that. I remember one time we did something like that. And I was like, this is just not our brand and it's not who we are. And so I think that it's interesting. I, I really despised social media in the past. Before I started practice, I didn't do anything, nothing. No Facebook, no nothing, no MySpace, none of those initial crazy old platforms. And now that we're doing it, it is, it's a big deal. It's important for our practice. Really do important. Do you enjoy it at all or would you rather not have to do it? A little bit of both. I think sometimes I find myself looking at it too much, you know, when you could be doing real life things and interacting with people in your family. But other times it's great to take part and see people or acquaintances that you haven't and see what they're doing. It's just a changing space, the climate. We love to showcase what we yeah. do and who we are. And so we're, we're big educators. We're big into giving back to the community. We want to show the world that aspect of us. And we try to do that through our social media. What else do you do for marketing? And what's your overall philosophy on practice marketing? Do you cohesively as a group of three surgeons actually lay that out as a framework and then execute against it? What's that approach like? You know, that's a constant struggle on a daily basis. We're three individual doctors trying to run a group practice and showcase our group brand. And there are certain philosophies that are tried and true amongst the three of us, but we're all uniquely different. We try to lay it out there. I think we do an okay job. It's not perfect by any means, but You know, the thing that we have, we have one unifying concept is our kind of overall philosophy towards patient care and what kind of outcomes we're trying to achieve and academic pursuits and excellence. So we all share that. So I think that resonates clearly. But then there's a delineation of different groups that each of us probably are more attractive for or different potential clientele. And that really is very beneficial in our practice because we sort of, there's like some process of natural selection as to who's going to be the appropriate fit for patients. And we believe that now where not only are there patients, are the right provider for a patient, for us, there's a right patient for us. And, And you don't have to do surgery on everybody. You don't have to do an injectable on this patient if it's not the right match. And that's a that's a high level thought where you have to erase the concept of losing that patient as a potential client. Because really what you want, you want the, the best outcome, the best interaction. And we're getting better at that. And I think that's something that we're able to do in our practice. And sometimes we can, hey, you know, Bill's gonna be a much better fit for you. 
you know, and then we, we do that or we both do it together. You know, one of the old themes was there were certain procedures that certain doctors ended up doing better, but we're finding out there's also certain personalities of patients that do better with certain personalities of doctors. So there's that social aspect of it as well. And we find that these people gravitate to a certain individual based on a lot of those personalities. Is there a marketing tool that you rely on more than any other that sort of helps you wrangle all of that or a person? It's a culmination, I think. I think it's our it's our site, which is kind of a crazy site with tons of content that's sometimes hard to navigate. And then our generalized online presence, the multiple review sites, real self, and then our social media platform, Instagram's our, our bigger one. It's, it's everything. It's, it's everything. It's your branding. It's your paper. It's your things that we're involved in and sponsoring in the community. It's saying hi to people that you interact with on a daily basis. It's everything. And it's your existing patients. You know, we always hear word of mouth, right? It's like, oh, how'd you hear us? Word of mouth. But what is really word of mouth? I think you alluded to it earlier, right? I think word of mouth now includes social media, real self, all this other online presence. And what I find interesting, our patient care coordinators will tell our our patients specifically, because we're online a lot, oh, if you need validation, please log on to Real Self. Look at the patient testimonials and everything that they wrote. We have nothing to hide about who we are. And it really does validate and pushes our patients over the edge to be able to do surgery with us or injectables or whatever it is. That's the best function of reviews is to confirm. How do you approach getting reviews? Have you found a way to make that Bill just easy? offers them money. You just pay them? Straight up cash. No, I actually do it as a joke and it works really well. I, you know, everybody knows I'm the jokester in the office. I pick on all the staff constantly and I'll tell the patient, hey, by the way, would you mind going online, write really terrible things about X staff member that's in the room with me? And then everybody starts laughing. And then I said, and write really good things about me. And then they, they always say, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. I'll go home and, and do it right now. So he's basically saying we solicit them. We, we, we selectively solicit them, obviously from happy patients. And then do you just wait for them to go home and do it? Or do you take it one step further? I'll ask when they come back, whether or not they did it or not. Yeah, you know, I think that I'm happy that there have been some modifications done, specifically with real self and ability to get reviews in your office in the same setting. And then your integration with touch is going to be good. Yeah. But I think that, you know, getting a lot of reviews is always great. And if you get a bad review, people need to not be afraid of a bad review. Like you get a bad one, it's okay. It actually validates your good ones. It, it, it It's okay. Now, if they're consistently bad and it's an issue, then obviously then you need to address it. I was meaning to talk to you about I know, right? that about you. Yeah. But I think, I think it's important. Look at reviews as a body. About 1% should be one star. And the large majority of the one star reviews will be about a service issue and not a result. So and that means they're usually resolvable with customer service or service recovery. That always makes me feel better, at least a little bit. I see it with our wives buy products all the time, you know, be it a vacuum cleaner or a cell phone or whatever it is. They're always online looking at reviews and they want to read the few bad ones to find out, you know. How bad could it really be? It's like our worst case scenario kicks in and we got to know. Yep. But luckily for us, we've managed to have decent reviews online and have great patient population. Okay, so the last thing I want to ask you is, what is your superpower? Everybody has one, so who wants to start? I would say that I can typically diffuse almost any situation 
when things could be going totally, totally, totally wrong somehow, or totally right if there's a big problem, I can somehow figure out a way to solve it. Or if everybody's mad at me, I can figure out a way to get everybody to follow and agree. But I'll tell you that sometimes that's a really stressful place to be in. I would say I'm good at it, but it takes a toll on me. And some days I probably should just say, forget y'all, forget everybody. Y'all can just, I'm gonna do what I wanna do, but I, I usually am able to collect and be very diplomatic about things. I think that's probably one of the, my good characters that I'm able to do, but sometimes it it fails me because I'm the one who suffers from it. But I'd say that would probably be it. What about you, Bill? I would say I can multitask better than anybody else. I can have 50 fires going at once and being able to handle it without any trouble. Don't get worked up too much. Don't forget to put out the fire. And, and take care of business. When you don't have 50 fires, you actually feel a little bit like something's wrong. Correct. I need multiple things happening all at the same time. It'll be exciting to see what you do in the future and how we're able to support that too. Awesome. All right. So thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Real Self University podcast. The mission of Real Self is to create a world where every investment in modern beauty is worth it. And the mission of Real Self University is to help aesthetic professionals do just that. If you'd like more information about becoming Real Self Verified, visit realself.com slash network and enter referral code podcast to receive preferred rates. Thanks to Drs. Baharti and Cortesis for their spirit and willingness to be the very first guests on our show. I'm your host and producer, Eva Shea. Our post-production is by Daniel Cruiser. If you'd like to be a guest on the Real Self University podcast, have feedback or questions for me, email university at realself.com. Support us and help us keep this podcast effort going by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All of our learning and practice development resources are available on demand at university.realself.com.